Your body is divinely designed and capable of healing on so many levels. We just need to become more aware of all the signals. Instead, we ignore the signs and in turn experience pain or worse. The digestive system just fascinates me. When you become fully aware and tapped into it, you will clearly understand what it is asking you or telling you to do. You may not always want to oblige, and quite often you will not. It still doesn't change the fact that your digestive system will work hard to give you clear and concise signals when, is, when it is happy and when it's distressed. Welcome or welcome back to Wellness Through the Lens of Love. I am Dr. Walita Mooring and it is a joy to return to you again this week. This segment is about digestive help. In the early 1900, the digestive tract was known as the food tube or the serpent with intelligence, otherwise known as the wise serpent. This food tube had 10 distinct gateways for food to pass through, taking approximately 36 hours to run the course from mouth to anus. This is interesting to me because of the 24-hour circadian rhythm and body clock. Perhaps the additional hours for passing the food through the tube was due to the heaviness of the meal. You know, meat and potatoes and rolls versus vegetables, cornbread, and salad. You see, digestion begins before you put the first bite of food in your mouth. Just think about it. When you see and or smell fresh baked bread or fresh baked apple pie, or perhaps your meat of choice searing on the grill, your mouth starts to water and your stomach starts to slightly grumble as it secretes stomach acid in preparation for what is to come. For me and other 90-10 pescatarians, a beautifully prepared multicolored salad topped with a piece of medium prepared grilled salmon will do the same. Your five senses are a very necessary part of, of digestion. Being aware of your senses while enjoying a meal can only enhance the experience. Let your five senses orchestrate each meal experience. It is sure to be spiritually beautiful, often sensual, and always satisfying, one bite at a time. Let's take a look at the five senses. Starting with smell, the sense of smell. Smell deciphers the chemical molecules in the food to activate the olfactory and gustative organs. When you allow the molecules to penetrate each and every cell of your being, a pre-tasting happens and your imagination will run wild with anticipation. When the sense of smell is interrupted, this is known as nose blindness or anosmia. 
so is the taste interrupted. Quite often, those who cannot smell will not taste fully. It is not fun for these people who have this challenge. Next is sight. Sight gives us the first impression of the food and tells us if it is edible or not. When food is properly pre prepared and presented, an aware person will go through a sensation that mimics falling in love. Anticipation of that first bite is no different than the anticipation of a first kiss. The sense of hearing. Hearing gives the sign of how the food is being prepared as well as the sound, uh, the sound food makes while in your mouth, crunching, moaning, and the breaths that change during the meal. The more a person moans, the better the sensory experience. The sense of touch. Touch happens when food moves to your mouth. And this is by picking up a utensil or using your hands. And also happens when food is placed in your mouth. Your mouth experiences the texture, consistency, freshness, and whether the food is hard, soft, or crunchy. The act of moving food to your mouth gives another chance to smell the food and anticipate yet another bite. The sense of taste. With taste, we experience five flavors, or at least the tongue is looking for these five flavors, and each of these five flavors help to support the body one way or another. Let's start with bitter. Bitter helps to support the circulatory system and guides energy to the heart and stomach. While sweet, tonifies, harmonize, and moistens the system while sending energy to the spleen. Salt guides energy to the kidneys and when you have salt in proper proportion, it has the ability to settle the mind and the body. Spicy and pungent, which is also known as acrid, helps the body vent out harmful influences. Another way of saying that is move stagnant fluids, such as blood, out and away from the body. Spicy, spicy tastes can cause the body to perspire profusely and also disperse mucus. Spices are really good for the lungs. Sour, the taste of sour, um, this signals the body that it is therapeutic. So the body system has the ability to return back to homeostasis. Sour taste is really nourishing to the blood. Through the five senses, once you become aware, it becomes 
a sacred practice with extremely amazing benefits. It does require being patient, diligent, and to honor the process. Every meal could be a love story or a mindless act of food to mouth. It's your choice. Okay, so let's travel through the digestive system. I'm going to let you know right now that this episode probably has far more information than you ever wanted to know. I just feel that it is really important for you to understand how your body works so that you can make better decisions that will ultimately lead you to better, you know, a better healthy lifestyle. So, the digestive system. The digestive system's main functions are to mix food, move through, um, move the food through the intestinal tract, and to break food stuff down into small molecules to be absorbed and assimilated. The digestive system consists of, and I'm moving from mouth to anus, so right now I'm going to start with the mouth. The mouth anticipates food and eat, eating stimulates the glands in your mouth which provides saliva. Chewing breaks the food down into smaller molecules and is pushed by the tongue to the throat. Now we're at the esophagus. The esophagus is near the trachea or windpipe. It receives food after swallowing and the epiglottis or the flap covers the windpipe to prevent you from choking. Through peristalsis or this wave-like motion, food is moved to the stomach. Now the esophagus has two rings or sphincter. One relaxes and receives the food while the other contracts to keep the food from coming back up. To do so will lead to acid reflux or possibly heartburn. Next is the stomach. The stomach is a hollow hollow organ that acts like a holding container where food is mixed with stomach acids and enzymes to break down into smaller particles before they're processed into the small intestines. The small intestines is roughly 22 feet long and consists of three sections. Duodenum, which is sometimes called duodenum, this continues the breakdown process. The jejunum and the ileum both absorbs the nutrients and moves it into the bloodstream. Through peristalsis, mixing of the food with acids and enzymes for the liver and pancreas happens. Food goes from solid to liquid before passing to the large intestines. Before I get to the large intestines, I want to jump into the liver. The liver is the body's chemical factory. The liver processes nutrients from the small intestines and takes the raw material absorbed by the intestines and 
turn them into various chemicals the body needs to function. It also detoxifies harmful chemicals from the body, like medication, recreational drugs and alcohol, and putrefied matter and so on. The liver also secretes bile into the small intestines for digesting fats and vitamins. The pancreas secretes digestive enzymes into the duodenum to break down the protein, carbohydrates, and fats. The pancreas also makes a hormone called insulin, which is used to metabolize sugar in the bloodstream. Now, the gallbladder stores and concentrates bile from the liver and releases it into the small intestines, you know, the duodenum, to help absorb and digest fats. Now, the large intestines. The large intestines consist of the cecum, the ascending and transverse colon, as well as descending colon and sigmoid, which connects to the rectum. It is a six-foot-long muscular tube connecting the small intestines at one end and the anus at the other end. It is responsible for processing the waste leftovers, like stool, that moves through the colon first as a liquid and converts slowly into a solid through the peristalsis process. This usually takes about 36 hours to move through the entire colon. The good bacteria synthesizes various vitamins while simultaneously processing food particles and waste against harmful bacteria. Waste is stored in the sigmoid colon until it empties into the rectum for elimination or bowel movement. Now, the rectum. The rectum is an 8-inch chamber that connects the colon to the anus. It receives stool from the colon and alerts you that it's there. When gas or stool comes into the rectum, sensors send a signal to the brain, at which point the brain decides when the content of the rectum is to be released. The sphincter relaxes to release the content, and if the content cannot be released, the sphincter will contract and send a signal to the brain until the urge goes away. Last but not least is the anus. The anus is the last two inches of this canal, consisting of the pelvic floor and the internal external sphincters. The upper lining of the anus detects the content of the rectum and lets you know if it is gas, liquid, or solid. Though every inch of the digestive system is important, in my practice I focus largely on the stomach, liver, pancreas, and colon. I find that I get the best results when doing so, and my clients benefit greatly. In my early days as a practitioner, I came across this statement that just stuck with me for life. The statement was, to save your liver is to save your life, as liver is king.
or queen. You should do everything to keep your liver healthy and strong, and in return, your liver will do the same for your organ system. Okay, let's look at some short-term or temporary conditions that affect the digestive system, starting first with constipation. Constipation is a dry and hard fecal matter, often painful to eliminate, whereas diarrhea is loose and watery stools. Intestinal autointoxication is putrefaction of protein, also known as waste, causing toxic poisoning within the body. This is due to the inability to eliminate waste and bad organisms from the intestinal flora regularly, and the waste remains in the colon until it's absorbed in the bloodstream, causing illness and disease. Next is heartburn, an uncomfortable burning sensation in the chest that moves to the throat, caused by acid, um, acid digestive juice, moving up from the stomach and up the esophagus. It's not a good sensation. Next is hemorrhoids. Hemorrhoids are swollen, enlarged veins formed inside and outside of the anus and rectum. They are usually painful. Stomach flu. This is an infection of the stomach and small intestines caused by a virus. It usually lasts about a week. Ulcers are sores that form in the lining of the esophagus, stomach, and small intestines, commonly caused by a bacteria called H. pylori or Heliocobacter pylori, an anti-inflammatory drug such as ibuprofen is a contributing factor as well. Gallstones. These are small solid materials formed by digestive fluids that form in the gallbladder. All right, so some of the digestive disorders are starting with <laughs> um, IBS, irritable bowel syndrome. This is a disorder that affects the large intestines and can include cramping, abdominal pain, gas, bloating, diarrhea, and constipation, whereas GERD, G-E-R-D, is gastroesophageal reflux disease. And this is when the stomach acid flows back into the esophagus from the stomach. Also rather painful. Next is lactose intolerance. This is... Um, this is the inability to fully digest milk sugars, thereby leading to gas, bloating, cramping, and sometimes nausea. And this generally occurs within 30 to 90 minutes after the milk product has been consumed. Now there's diver I mean diverticulosis, which is a condition of small pouch-like sacs developing in the small intestines, whereas diverticulitis is the infection or inflammation in one or all of the small pouch-like sacs in the digestive tracts. Cancer is 
an uncontrolled or yeah, an uncontrolled growth of abnormal cells in the body. Crohn's disease is an inflammation and scarring in the intestines. And celiac disease is a disease in the small intestines caused by hypersensitivity to gluten. So that's going to be wheat, rye, and barley products. This often leads to difficulty in digesting foods, period. All right, let's look at some known irritants. These known irritants are known as FODMAPs. And FODMAP simply means fermentable oligodimonosaccharides and polyols. It's a mouthful. Yes, it is. Simply put, they are short-chain carbohydrates that are resistant to digestion. Normally, carbs are intended to be absorbed into the bloodstream. Instead, short-chain carbohydrates, which are most often fibers, go through to the end of the intestines unchanged because they're resistant to digestion. Here is where the gut bacteria resides and fermentation happens. The gut bacteria use the short-chain carb carbs as fuel, ferments the carbs, and converts it into hydrogen gas. This gas is far less favorable as it causes gas and bloating, stomach cramps, pain, and constipation, all which makes the stomach look larger and feel bloated beyond bloated. There are times when short-chain carbs, um, let me try that again, there are times when short-chain carbs will draw liquid into the intestines, and for sensitive individuals like those experiencing irritable bowel syndrome, this can lead to diarrhea. The same process happens when fiber feeds the friendly gut bacteria, except now a methane gas is produced. And methane gas is far more beneficial to your health. I know you may think, what gas could be beneficial to anybody's health? Well, that would be methane gas. So some of the FODMAP foods contain lactose, and this is going to be any dairy products from cows, goats, and sheeps. Um, fructose, these are going to be all the fruits and vegetable sugars. And they're going to include some, but not all, uh, apples, applesauce, apricots, blackberries, boysenberries, cherries, canned fruits, dates, figs, pears, peaches, and watermelon, and on the vegetable side of the FODMAPs, that's artichokes, asparagus, broccoli, beetroots, Brussels sprouts, cabbage, cauliflower, garlic, fennel, leeks, mushroom, okra, onions, peas, and shallots. For vegetarians, you may think you don't have much more to shoot. To choose from. Later, I'm going to talk to you about the one thing that you can do to enjoy those vegetables without experiencing the gas and bloating that goes along with 
these particular FODMAP vegetables. Next are sweeteners. So this is going to be fructose, honey, high fructose corn syrup, xylitol, mannitol, maltitol, I mean maltitol, and sorbitol. Yes, all of them are FODMAPs. Next are going to be legumes. Here we have beans, chickpeas, lentil, red kidney beans, big beans, and soybeans. We have pistachios and cashews. We also have, which we've mentioned before, is wheat, barley, and rye because they are the highest sources of gluten. And so many products are made with one or all of them, like breads, pastas, most cereals, tortillas, waffles, pancakes, crackers, biscuits, you name it. And last but not least, the beverages like beers, fortified wines, soft drinks with high fructose corn syrups, milks, including soy milk, and certain fruit juices. Now, there is a great list of foods that are free of FODMAPs. For the carnivores, you will be pleased that meat, fish, and eggs are on this list. All fats and oils, most herbs and spices, nuts and seeds like almonds, peanuts, macadamia, pine nuts, sesame seeds, fruits like unripened bananas, blueberries, cantaloupe, grapefruit, grapes, kiwi, lemon, lime, mandarins, melons, except for watermelon, oranges, passion fruit, raspberry, and strawberries. Sweeteners, you now have maple syrup, molasses, and stevia. Dairy products, mm, go lactose-free and hard cheeses, and aged and soft breeze will work. Vegetables that are free from FODMAP are going to be alfalfa, so virtually any sprouts, but alfalfa, bell peppers, bok choy, carrots, celery, cucumbers, eggplants, ginger, greens, green beans, lettuce, chives, olives, parsnips, potatoes, radishes, spinach, spring onions, squash, sweet potatoes, tomatoes, turnips, yams, watercress nuts, I mean water chestnuts, and zucchini. So you see, vegetarians, you do have a good selection to choose from. As far as grains are concerned, corn, oats, rice, quinoa, sorghum, and tapioca. Beverages, water, of course, coffee and tea, especially if you don't add the dairy products to it, and any other beverages free from high fructose corn syrup. Now, keep this in mind. This list is neither definitive nor exhaustive. Naturally, there are foods not listed here. I'm just going to suggest you do some research and see what else you can come up with. 
feel free to share it with me later. All right, so what keeps the digestive system healthy? Let's start with pre and probiotics. Start the day with a good pre and probiotic. Doing so will repopulate good and friendly gut bacteria and aid in digestion. Yogurt rich in friendly bacteria combined with almonds and applesauce is a great way to set up your digestive day. At first, it's a big fart waiting to happen because all of the ingredients are listed in the FODMAPs. For you delicate souls out there, it will be a cute poot masquerading as a vicious, smelly, rumbling sack of gas that will creep into your space with its offensive presence. Yeah, I'm thinking that's still a fart, as there is nothing cute about it. Funny, perhaps, but not cute. After eating this mixture, or something like it, regularly, you should expect to have a really good bowel movement or for you sensitive souls, once again, a poop. You will find out soon the need to embrace the words bowel movements because what may come out of your body may feel like you've just passed a small human. That will not be a cute poop. Do not be surprised if the angels start singing in the background after you've had this major movement. Your body may be confused, relaxed, and relieved simultaneously. It was hard work, so you will need a short nap. Yes, it can happen like that. And I am a witness. After a few days of this yogurt mix, It will aid the rhythm of your food tube or digestive tract and make all 10 gates work better. If you choose not to eat the yogurt mix, at least consider taking a pre or probiotic in capsule form to start your day. Drink room temperature water or fluids to aid in the process. Next, Eat a good balanced diet. By now, you know the benefits of eating a properly combined meal two to three times a day and within an eight to 12 hour window. That window you will determine. The meals should be full of color and have a proper amount of protein, carbs, and fats. As important as meals are, So is the speed in which you eat your food. It makes all the difference in the world. Those who choo-choo swallow and eat so quickly that they barely remember what they've consumed will have the biggest digestive complaints. This manner of eating will override the sensor that tells your body that it is full and so they overeat. This, of course, is not comfortable. Swallowing large chunks of food is much harder to be absorbed and assimilated. 
so it sits in the gut longer than is needed and ferments, leading to bloating and gas. For sedentary people who graze on unhealthy food all day long, they do not give their digestive tract time to rest or properly process. Anything that is left in the gut after three to four hours will turn into sugar, fat, and toxins. Now imagine going through your day with a sensation of bloating and fullness. Now imagine sleeping on top of that. It will be uncomfortable and decrease the quality of your sleep, not to mention your body has no choice but to gain weight and to move in the direction of illness and pain. Now, on the other hand, those who eat slowly, savoring every bite, are more likely to reach satiety before their plates are empty. They will experience more energy during the day because of the manner in which they, their food process. There will be smaller, more liquefied amounts of foodstuff in the gut and benefiting from all of the friendly bacteria through slow di- slower digestion. The food stuff will so- slowly be absorbed and assimilated and the body will receive the necessary nutrients while processing to eventually eliminate the waste. Your body and mind will benefit greatly just by honoring the digestive process while appreciating the meal. Use all five senses to appreciate your meal as often as possible. Next, drink plenty of water. Ideally, the formula for water consumption is one half ounce per pound of body weight. So let's just take my weight for instance. Once again, I weigh 155 pounds or just a little more than 70 kilos. According to the formula, I should drink 77.5 ounces of water per day. Uh, That does not excite me at all, and here is why. There are some days where my body just has an aversion to water, so I honor it. On those same days, my body does not have an aversion to herbal teas, fresh fruit and vegetable juices, fresh salads, raw vegetables, or cucumber citrus mint water that I make myself. I honor that as well. I have, (laughs) sorry for stammering, but I'm thinking about this water thing. I will have as much of all of those other types of natural waters as my body feels is necessary and until it sends a signal, a clear signal, that I am full and satisfied. You see, each of what I've just mentioned contains water with other nutrients, vitamins, and minerals. I am completely satisfied for the day or or at least I'm completely satisfied during the day when I choose any or all of them. There are some days when all I want is good, clean, unchlorinated, 
unfluoridated and other chemical treated water. I will drink room temperature water until my body signals me that it is satisfied. As far as drinking water or any liquids with meals, I tend not to. If so, it's warm water with lemon or an herbal tea. That would be my preference. As for the reason, it's simply because cold water pushes food through the digestive tract unprocessed. So it will not be digested. The second re reason is cold water tends to fill me up faster. I don't know the last time I've had cold water with my meals. Drinking cold water, once again, my body will not receive the full nutritive values of the meal and will experience hunger sooner than later. Not to mention, it will lead to stomach discomfort. I will wait for at least 15 to 30 minutes and then drink some hot tea or room temperature water with citrus to aid in digestion after a meal. Perhaps you will consider the same. One last thing about water. There is such a thing as drinking too much water and scientific research proves it. Drinking too much water will dilute the electrolytes, especially the sodium, in your blood. This is known as water intoxication or overhydration, and it will lead, it can lead, to brain damage, confusion, disorientation, nausea, coma, and even death. All that to say this. Under no circumstances would I suggest the blanket 64 ounces of water to every person who comes to see me because no one has the same exact physique as another, weighs the same amount, have the same lifestyle or activity levels, the same sleep cycle or eating habits. With that said, how much water should you be drinking per day? All right, let's look at garnishes. Eat the garnish. America must be one of the few countries that do not eat the garnish on the dinner plates. And this is when you are dining out. What is a garnish, you ask? Uh, at one time, it used to be parsley, which was promptly placed to the side of the plate. And now I don't even know if they still put garnish on the plate. I have not seen parsley or anything like that in a long time. In other countries, like Japan, they have ginger and wasabi on the plate. Thailand, they have lemongrass and or basil, gen generally infused in a dish or sometimes placed off to the side. India prepares meals with so many culinary spices that there's really no need for a garnish, and yet they offer this salt and candied-like fennel combination to cleanse your palate and aid in the digestion at the end of the meal. What digestive blends of herbs and spices can you create to do the same? Make a small herb and spice tray and leave it on your table. 
Eat some with or after every meal. You will definitely notice a difference. Okay, so fiber, fiber, fiber. Yes, fiber. Sorry for sucking my teeth. <laughs> um, whichever fiber you use, choose it wisely. Fruits separately or salads and vegetables served with fresh, steamed and slightly sautéed vegetables, drizzled lightly with lemon juice and olive oil works much better on the digestive system than the same ingredients topped with a creamy, sweet and fatty dressing. Sure, the second may sound absolutely delicious. Just keep in mind that it will lead to digestive discomfort. There are too many things going on in that commercial dressing that would lead to bloating alone, so choose wisely. Now the size of a meal. I always suggest eating a plate size smaller than you are accustomed to or filling only the center of the plate that you are accustomed to. Without fail, though, many will fill their plates until it reaches the outer rim and has a mound. Is there no wonder that their digestive system is complaining afterwards? Digestive enzymes. These can be your savior. When taken as suggested, Digestive enzymes will break down the food to their smallest particles so that it can be absorbed and assimilated better. If you know that you're going to eat a large and possibly poorly combined meal, just take a few full-spectrum digestive enzymes before or during the meal, rarely afterwards. It really depends on the brand you choose they will instruct you as the best way to take their brand. If you eat fresh fruits and vegetables as a meal, there is no need to take enzymes because the meal contains enzymes and aids in, in digestion. Always eat mindfully and remember to engage all five senses while having your meals. Exercise. It is so important to walk or move at least five to ten minutes after a meal, and that's the bare minimum, five to ten minutes after a meal to aid in digestion instead of sitting in front of the television or computer screen. Sitting for long periods of time is really harmful to the spleen and partially to the pancreas. Just walk or dance or ride your bike. Do something and move the food down. Avoid alcohol and stress as much as possible as they interrupt the digestive process. And last but not least, keep your colon clean. Work the colon from both ends. Your new dietary changes should include and emphasize more color, more crunches, more fiber, and good quality water designed your way and with frequency. Just don't overdo it. This will, this will prepare the food tube or digestive tract to perform optimally. 
periodically consider a high colonic or deep enema. This will surely clean you out. Well, hopefully you've enjoyed this podcast and found some value in it. Come back and listen to this episode as often as you need and perhaps take some notes. You will pick something up every time you listen to it. And the next episode, we're going to be discussing, or I will be discussing, discussing fasting and detoxification. Which method is right for you? Should this podcast be something that interests you, I would be grateful to you for joining me every Monday for a new episode. Tell three friends and let's build a community together. This podcast is my way of giving back, sharing my knowledge and experience of the wellness through the lens of love is a joy and I do it gladly. From time to time, I will bring to your attention a health product a book or technology that has helped me along the way and could possibly do the same for you. It is your choice to purchase or not. Wellness through the lens of love will change your life for the better, inside and out, and on its own. Wellness is your birthright. You just have to choose it. Needless to say, I am so excited for this journey we will be taking together. I want you to remember two things. Love is the greatest healer of all, and I love loving you. Until the next time.